0: Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of The Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Eden Foods, the most trusted name and certified organic clean food. When you shop online at EdenFoods.com, enter the coupon code ORGVIEW to receive 20% off any regularly priced items, excluding cases. For other promotional offers, please visit the website. And don't forget to check out our contest section. Today, I'm going to be talking to Robin Reberg, who is an expert on gluten-free cooking, and today we're going to be talking about her latest book called You Won't Believe It's Gluten-Free. Now, it's great to see that more and more restaurants and shops are now offering gluten-free breads, cookies, and desserts. While the demand is growing quickly, thanks to education and awareness, of course, we still have a long way to go before it becomes mainstream. So what do you do if you're having guests from out of town that have gluten sensitivities or have opted to do some home catering for a special event such as an anniversary, a birthday, or even a wedding, and you happen to need a gluten-free cake? Well, Robin has done it again in her best-selling book, You Won't Believe It's Gluten-Free?, she has 500 delicious fowl-proof recipes for healthy living. And there are choices from breakfast items such as bagels, waffles, etc., to entrees. Uh, she, she has a wonderful recipe for baked ziti uh, to delicious desserts. And as I mentioned, um, wedding cakes, even homemade ice cream cones. So I would like to welcome back to the show Robin Reberg. Good afternoon, Robin. Good afternoon.
1: Nice to be here.
0: Great to have you, Robin. You are one of my favorite authors to talk to. I mean, you just have so much knowledge, and you make everything so incredibly easy. Um, It's interesting. When people are looking for different recipes, uh, there's so much stuff that is available on the Internet. But, unfortunately, the recipes, what I have found is that the recipes that are out there, people will shove anything out there just to, I guess, see their name in print uh, and half the time the recipes just don't work, and so that's why I like to uh, buy cook- cookbooks, especially from someone who has developed so many different recipes and has actually tested these recipes, and you know has so much wonderful feedback about so many different types of uh, items that you can make. So that's one of the reasons that I just love. Every time I see one here your cookbooks, I know that whatever I'm going to make, uh, whatever the recipe is going to be, it's going to be a success. So thank you for that.
1: No, my, my fun job.
0: <laughs> now, Robin, can you tell our audience about yourself? So uh, for new people that are tuning in or for those that are not familiar with your books, uh, they can uh, learn more about you.
1: Uh, sure. I have been a food writer for... Oh, my gosh, has to be at least 15 years now. And I've been in the gluten-free field for about 20 years. And I've grown along with the bumps and lumps along the way from the early days when people um, hated um, products made with single grains because they were hard and brick-like to the um, opposite extreme when blends were um, embraced and food additives and things like that. And then you have me, who's kind of come back to center ground and uses single grains to their natural characteristics to achieve really great food without having a tower of flowers. Thank you. Now, in the book, you actually have a foreword
0: by Dr. Peter Green uh, from the Celiac Disease Center at Columbia University. How did you wind up working with him?
1: Well, he is one of the known industry um, greats in, in the field, and he is very supportive of um, writers who are spreading good information and accurate information and helping people, you know, live a healthier, happier life. And it's just kind of interesting. Um, when I first learned
0: about celiac disease, There were a number of resources that were available on the Internet, but uh, the ones that I found, they'll charge a fee for the information, which I kind of thought was a really rotten thing to do, especially if people are dependent upon the information so that they can just function. And um, all I thought to myself was, wow, you know, this this particular area of the culinary, culinary world has such a long way to go. And, you know, it has come a long way. I remember going to uh, a trade show years ago, trying something gluten-free, just thinking to myself, wow, this stuff really is just awful. And I felt so badly for people that were dependent upon uh, these manufacturers and didn't have either recipes available or the skill sets. So uh, if somebody is either learning to prepare foods that are gluten-free or is uh, just trying to prepare for their own kitchen, for their own family, what are some of the basic things that they should have in stock at all times?
1: In my world of gluten-free baking, it's so simple. You need regular, ordinary pantry items, very, very simple pantry items. Uh, Rather than having a sauce that has a lot of different um, products in it, I would – different ingredients, I would tend to go simpler, get some canned tomatoes, get tomato base, um, get evaporated milk, incredibly, incredibly basic ingredients that are safe, that are easy to find, and then combine them with very, very few specialty items, and that would be the special flour that suits your palate, and I use very simple single grain flours, and also xanthan gum if you want to do any traditional baking. Now what exactly is xanthan gum? Xanthan gum is a binder that is used to replace the gluten, the nice stretchy stuff that we that we see in breads. What does it taste like? Nothing.
0: So it's just it it's just happens to be a binding ingredient that um, doesn't enhance or take away from the flavor. It's just a simple binding ingredient
1: well it's a binding ingredient and it's funny if you um, are at the market and you pull out um, some ice cream you might find xanthan gum if you um, go to the salad dressing shelf you will find xanthan gum there and when it's used in liquid form it adds some viscosity to the finished product and helps it hold together better and when it's used in baked goods um, you can you can see it also helps to hold the product together. Thank you. Now, um,
0: what are some of the basic recipes that you would recommend to a newbie
1: chef? Well, if they're um, meeting an individual need for, for just a couple customers, I would keep it very, very simple. But frankly, people who have celiac disease are probably tired of a plain piece of chicken and plain rice you really can do so so much better you can take a little butter and add a little onion add a little lemon and toss your rice in it and suddenly you have a fabulous side dish it's the same sort of thing with appetizers you can have any appetizer you want you just need to make sure you have dedicated oil and a dedicated pan for example if you wanted to make some really terrific fried calamari and then on the far end of the spectrum If you're doing cakes for people or wedding cakes for people, you just want to make sure you have exceptionally clean pans and a work environment where weed is not flying around, so it should be the first thing you make during the day, and go ahead and make that special cake or special other treat for those people.
0: Now, say if you're throwing an event at your home, which a lot of people are starting to do now because it's not only uh, more economical, but it's also more personal um you i I think people really appreciate all the hard work and effort that goes into a a home uh a home cooked spread than if they just simply had it catered so um i'm just curious if if say if you're having an event such as um I don't know, a birthday party or an anniversary or even a wedding, what are some of the appetizers that you would recommend uh, from your book that people could try?
1: Um, A couple things. I would certainly go to the egg rolls. They are fun, delicious, and and filling. I would also do... hmm, I would probably do some dips. I would do a a bean dip, very easy. You can do potato wedges. You can do crackers. Um, So many people think crackers are very hard to make, but actually when you make gluten-free crackers, you you can literally pour them out onto a um, cookie sheet baking pan and bake them and cut them, and it's really not much trouble at all. If you're
0: having, say, a wedding, like, because uh, that, that's something that's come up quite a bit, say if you want to uh, have just something intimate and, uh, you know, not too crazy, what other hors d'oeuvres would you recommend that are easy to make, really appealing uh, to people who don't have these sensitivities and are actually quite elegant? Hmm.
1: I would probably go with, like, the steamed clams and mussels with garlic dipping butter—just delicious, super easy. Um, I would probably also do the mini quiche. Again, not very difficult to make, but wonderful. Now, what about for our vegan friends? Any recommendations? Um, for our vegan friends, I would I would be tempted to go to some of the um, some of the spreads, like the garlic spread and the bean dips. What makes
0: a really good spread in your opinion? I mean, you, you have so many recipes for different spreads and dips. Um, I mean, sometimes you'll go to an event, and it's something so simple. It's, it's just amazing that, you know, when you taste it, it's like, wow, I could have done this. Uh, and other times people will
1: just, uh, I don't know, they'll add stuff that just doesn't belong together. It's, it's just about the flavor. If the flavor's not right, don't put it out.
0: What are some of your favorite dips that you like to use when you're when you're having uh, some type of big event, whether it's for family, friends, or whatnot?
1: Well, as far as the dips go, again, my favorite are probably the the garlic and also the bean. It's easy. Um, I also like doing some top and odds. You know, finely chop um, a variety of veggies and olives and let them marinate and just have incredible flavor you can use that much like you would a bruschetta.
0: I think one of my favorite recipes that I've made uh, is using Uncle Matt's organic avocados. And it's really simple. I mean, these avocados are gigantic. And I basically mash it, but not to the point where it's smooth. But what I do is I add some uh, paprika and uh, some uh, powdered garlic, which... Uh, I tend to go a little heavy on the garlic and uh some people are wondering okay um <laughs> is it to keep away vampires or something cuz it's really I I I personally think that garlic really do, really works very well with avocado but it's just such a great flavor and uh the reason that I don't puree it is because I think that um if you just mash it up enough so that the flavors can incorporate um it, it actually is much better in a chunkier form as opposed to something that's really creamy and pureed. I look at it this way. I've, I've joked around with some of my friends that are uh, more, they're, they're <laughs> quite older than me, and I've told them that I'm in no rush to eat pureed food anytime too soon. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, I try to leave food in its natural form as much as possible. But, uh, yeah, dips are always fantastic. Now, what alternatives or what would you recommend, instead of using the typical potato chip or, uh, obviously, uh, pita chips unless they're gluten-free, what are some great alternatives to the fattening-type chips?
1: Wow. Wow. I think you've caught me off guard on that. I mean obviously, you can pull out the veggies and chop them up and use those for um, to to carry the dip of the day
0: well have you have you come across anything that's a little bit more elegant that you think might be a little bit more interesting, especially at a party or something?
1: Well, one thing I do like to do, and it it does involve a little bit of oil, but I like to take spring roll wrappers and to fry them, much like you would a papadum mm-hmm. and then and then they, they crisp and poof, and it's just like this amazing, neat little food that nobody has ever seen, and great fun to make, and quite easy.
0: One of the things that I've discovered, uh, basically because I like to eat them anyway, is plantain chips. Sometimes I'll make my own, sometimes I'll buy them, but I've found that the plantain chips are know, they different. And um the the ones that are well, you you can get them flavored now. I mean, they're they're pre-seasoned. I happen to think that you can if you make your own, you could also play around with the shapes. But I think that that's a nice alternative. Um, and I don't know when it comes to different types of crackers, I tend to go for the crackers that have all sorts of different. Um, seeds in them. I just think that they're more attractive, especially if they have, they're pressed with, um, say, sunflower seeds, poppy seeds, uh, even some pumpkin seeds. Um, I just think it presents uh, or makes a classier presentation, you know, especially if you're doing something where it's a little bit more elegant. Um, Now, getting back to... An event like, as I said, a wedding or some type of anniversary or, or whatnot, what else would you recommend if someone is doing some home planning?
1: Well, of course, it depends whether or not they are catering a um, in individual plates or if they're doing a buffet kind of thing, but obviously you have to have the cake
0: well, with the cake um, uh let's let's i I guess let's go there. Um, what prompted you to decide, you know, something, I'm going to include a gluten-free wedding cake?
1: it's
0: so such a great idea.
1: Oh Well, the reason I did it is, well, first of all, nobody's done it as, yes, you can buy some mixes, and yes, maybe it'll work, and yes, maybe, 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 maybe. Well, if I'm making a wedding cake, I don't want a maybe. I want a tried and true, tested. It will do what it's supposed to do. It will perform. It is not going to sink when it reaches the larger layers. And when I was writing this book, I put in the time. I put in the time and kept working with flowers until I found one that was versatile enough where we could do it. Now, you have
0: have a lot of cakes in here. This is Mm -hmm. just fantastic. I like the whole concept of, the potato-based carrot cake. How did you come up with that?
1: When, when I write, I take the foods that people love most, and I tend to walk through the grocery store, walk through a bakery. I, I literally will go to a bakery and order six or eight different items so that I can familiarize myself with the flavor and, and what a really good version of that should taste like. And that's, that's where I start from. Now, if you look at some of the wedding cakes that are on the
0: market, it's interesting. They have every type of flavored cake. I mean, you could actually use the carrot cake recipe as uh, a wedding cake. I mean, the list is just endless with the different types of varieties. So say if you did want to opt to turn your carrot cake recipe into a wedding cake, what could you do to just kind of spruce it up so that it would be a little bit more elegant?
1: Well, I, I think of course the way a cake is iced is just going to make it or or not. I have in this book a number of, um, I think I call it a mock buttercream, and it is just smooth and wonderful and it's not too sweet and it's it's a very, very elegant icing as opposed to a traditional sugary, sweet, whatever. and You know, even if you're not a, quote, baker, you know, put on some pretty flowers. Put on a few little candied whatevers and do some simple piping, and it's just going to be great.
0: Thank you. Now, uh, as I'm going through the different cake recipes, you have a wonderful recipe for pound cake, uh, lemon poppy seed uh, pound cake. And, I mean, what I love about your recipes is you offer the options. Rice based, corn based, potato based. Um, If you were going to use the uh, the lemon poppy seed pound cake recipe, which one do you think would be more suitable for something like a wedding? Because I'd I'd like to elaborate a little bit because I know that we've had a lot of people ask questions about different options, especially for weddings. I mean, Valentine's Day is coming up, and there are a lot of people who like to get married or who want to get married on valentine's day because it just seems to be extremely romantic and uh let's face it especially with the economy being what it is um if you can cut corners and especially if you could do something where it's a classy and elegant reception and then spend the money on either the ring or the honeymoon you know more people are going for that right with the with the recipe i mean which which recipe or which style do you think is more suitable for a more elegant affair
1: I would tend to go with the potato versions because the potato versions quantify better. So you don't, for example, with a, a rice-based cake, if you start to, to to do the larger layers, well, first of all, your, um, your your ratios on baking powder are going to change as much as 25% as you increase half again the size of the batch. It's not, it, it's not just let's double it. I wish it were.
0: Now, my next question is, um, you know, once again, with the decor as far as the cake, um, obviously you want to have something elegant, but, I mean, should you just stick
1: with the traditional buttercream frosting? No, I don't think so at all. Um, My personal preference, as I said, is the the mock buttercream. It's actually a, a cooked frosting that is... Pretty famous on um, red velvet cake. Ah, yeah. As, a, as opposed to the cream cheese icing. But and speaking of so which,
0: have you seen any wedding cakes with red velvet, uh, or, or should I say, red velvet wedding cakes?
1: I actually made a red velvet <laughs> a wedding cake, a full three tier for a 50th anniversary for a couple about five years ago. So yes, I I do see it. And people want not only for things to be pretty, but when they eat them, to taste really great. And there's no reason that that shouldn't happen anymore. What are some of the biggest mistakes
0: people make when they are trying to make a homemade wedding cake, in your opinion, from the things that you've seen? I think they don't give themselves enough time.
1: And How so? Well, I mean, it takes – you've made a wedding cake before, I think. Um, It it takes a long stretch of time. I allow myself, especially when you're doing the big three-tier kind of deal, Mm. it takes a long time to ice that much cake. Um, Wine helps, not in the icing but in the body. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, I, I think one of the problems that I've seen is that when someone's trying to do it themselves, they tend not to taste the frosting, and the frosting tends to be a little bit too sweet. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest things that I've seen because I mean you can have a great cake but if the frosting is just way too sweet people will just take one or two bites of the cake and all the frosting will just wind up getting discarded and it's a shame because it's, it's a lot of work to make um, cakes especially with the decorations and everything else uh, so I have often felt that um, if you just taste the frosting uh, and if it's just a little bit too sweet, um, you know. Perhaps you either might want to remake the recipe or try something different, you know.
1: Well, the other thing with making a frosting or an especially traditional icing, where it's butter and sugar or whatever fat and and the confectioners or powdered sugar, the the biggest problem is you don't beat it long enough, and you will get that sugary. Um, I don't want to say gritty because it's not quite gritty but you'll get that sugary sweetness that is just offensive that, that you were talking about mm. and very often you just need to beat it longer and beat it until that is gone thank you now let's, let's go from weddings
0: to other types of events uh, and a very popular um, event is actually kids birthday parties uh, it's not very easy for parents who have children with food sensitivities to take them out. I mean, as many restaurants and markets have different gluten-free type of products out there, not every restaurant uh, in every location does accommodate people with those needs. Um, and so people are opting to still you know, try to do what they can at home. So if you have a child's birthday, what would you recommend for a cake or should they make cupcakes? What would you recommend?
1: Well, any of the recipes in this book, you certainly can you know pour pour the batter into but you know muffin cups and and make cupcakes. It's it's easy and it's fun and it's easy for the kids. I would well, also suggest maybe making ice cream cones and going that route. And you actually have
0: a recipe for a gluten-free
1: uh, ice cream cone
0: in there. Now, could you use that recipe and actually um, make kind of a, a multi-layered ice cream cake using the waffle cones?
1: I have not tried baking one of my cones after it has been made, and it is made. the The recipe for the ice cream cones is I've done on the stovetop in this book. What I would suggest, though, is making an ice cream cake. And I think I have um, instructions in this book as well for that. But you take your layers, you soften up some ice cream, you put that between the layers or even split the layers if you like, throw it back into the freezer, put the next um, layer of cake on top, and then when it's all set up nice and hard again, pull it back out, put some frosting on it, and you're as good as Baskin-Robbins. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Thank you, <ramen. clears> Robin. <throat> now, aside from cupcakes, I mean, um, I think one of the nice things about cupcakes is that you know how many cupcakes you're going to need according to how many um, guests you expect to have, and usually the kids, the kids go crazy over cupcakes. It just doesn't make any sense. You give them a piece of cake, they usually take a small bite. And they'll say, I don't want any more. And then it goes out in the garbage. But cupcakes, they tend to actually eat. It's almost like it's a little miniature cake designed specifically for them. Um, Do you have any fun suggestions that you could do as far as the decor of the actual cupcake?
1: I I like to make animals and, you know, just get a little crazy. You can make clowns. You can just What do you make them out of? I would take gumdrops, roll some gumdrops flat and you can turn them into ears. You can take some licorice. you got to watch which kind you buy for gluten-free. Um, just check the candy packages and make sure the ingredient list is safe. It's, it's kind of like doing a um, gingerbread house, except it's a cupcake. Mm. Um,
0: so basically take the licorice and the gumdrops and make a clown out of that.
1: Well, you can make a clown, you can make a teddy bear, you could make um, most any animal. So if you have a, a cat theme, you know, put on the whiskers to look like a cat and cut the gumdrop once it's rolled flat into pointy ears. So you want some pink um, some pink gumdrops for that. Really, a little imagination would go a long way. Do you have any diagrams of any of the um,
0: the suggestions on your blog?
1: I don't, but that would be a great idea, wouldn't it? Yes, it it would.
0: I'll put it on my list. I promise. (laughs) Okay. Where do you get some of your, I I guess, your funkier baking equipment? I mean, do you have any particular places that you like to get your stuff from, or do you just typically go to the restaurant supply um, uh, type uh, outlets?
1: I prefer for my um, baking tins. I like to go to the commercial restaurant supply house just because you can buy the large aluminum ones. I tend to buy the Wilton wedding cake pans, but you can get those at most craft stores now. And It's amazing. The craft stores really have a lot
0: of those types of products as well as even the molds for uh, making your
1: own chocolate. They They do. As a matter of fact, I just got some for the Christmas holiday. They also tend to have the... Um, the cardboards, they also tend to have the the pillars and things like that for when you're um, making wedding cakes. And by the way, straws work really great for supports between layers. Are they strong enough? Absolutely. Super easy to use and plenty strong. Interesting. I, I mean, I not, not to elevate a cake, but to simply place your layers on top. Interesting.
0: Um that's al- always uh interesting to see what other people use. Uh now what about any to just get any type of funky candy or anything like that? Do you have any favorite places?
1: I I don't. I tend to use very simple ingredients because I mean, you know, if you're doing a party, you know, by the time you buy the wine for the parents and you're making the cake for the kids, it's I I tend to always have budget in mind when when I'm working.
0: Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, but there are a lot of locations where, if you look at the kids, just a little kid's birthday party, you would think that it was someone's wedding reception. I mean, they're just so incredibly elaborate. Um, and I found yeah. that there are so many really cool websites that have really neat baking supplies. Um, everything from different, like, say, if you want to make um, lollipops, they have the different Style sticks to different type of uh, colored candies that um, are completely edible that are that you can use to decorate um, whether it's cupcakes, cakes, what have you. I mean, um, it's there's just so much stuff out there. It, it's fantastic. Uh, the restaurant supply stores, I happen to love shopping in them, but it's it's dangerous. I mean, you go in there and you could just get lost.
1: Um, there's also the baking supply stores. Um, most larger cities have, have them. We have one in our small city that's near here. And and when you go in you're just going to see all kinds of decor items. Yeah, that's that's an excellent tip. And Robin,
0: Valentine's Day is approaching. If you wanted to make something gluten free, say a special dinner, what would you recommend? Oh, a gluten free special dinner. Oh, well, you know, it is coming up, and uh, a lot of people have anniversaries and whatnot. But, you know, they, they, they want something that's just intimate, just for two people. Uh, what would you recommend as far as appetizer, entree, and dessert?
1: I would probably start with something. I mean, if I were going all out, I would do probably the mussels and clams just because it's cool, or the calamari because it's delicious. But if you have a guy who's more of a meat and potato sort of guy, I would probably do the onion rings because those are just so popular. And then, if you're doing the whole deal, I would go into the, the soups, and I have a soup that's, um, it's, it's basically a mock wonton soup, but the little meats are separate from the noodles, and it is so delicious. Super easy to make, but very delicious. And oh, it's
0: kind of interesting that you mentioned wontons because uh, January is uh, the beginning. of January is Chinese New Year, and what's interesting is that most Americans don't realize that the Chinese food that is that we buy here is actually an American invention. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go to China, the food is so much better; <laughs> it's just delicious. But uh, you have a recipe for um, fortune cookies, which I thought was kind of cool. I've made my own for- fortune cookies, and it does I, – I happen to use a pair of hemp gloves that are specifically for cooking only. And, um, you know, they're. when I'm done with them, I wash them, and then I leave them in my cupboard. But how do you make yours? I mean, do you have any special tools that you
1: use? Do you just use your bare hands? How do you make yours? I use a nonstick stick pan. Uh, I'm sorry, a non-stick um, crepe-sized pan, and and my fingers, and they might get a little burned, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> a
0: little burned.
1: Um, how, when
0: you're making your batter, how thin? How much do you add to the pan for each you, each individual fortune cookie?
1: You don't add as much as you'd think. Mm. Oh the fortune cookie I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The fortune cookies are done in the oven.
0: The oh wow. Well, I, I'm I sorry, make mine I was, I was flipping
1: top. back to um to cones. To ice cream cones. Oh, okay. Very interesting. So you actually
0: make yours in the oven and at what point do you take them out? I mean, you really have to be very quick because they get hard very fast. Yes, you have and to. And then, then if you don't if you don't Form them into the shape, uh, they'll just crack.
1: Yeah. What I suggest is in the recipes is that you, you do one as a test. And it is the learning one because, like you say, you have to be fast. So when you're making
0: yours, how many do you make it? How many do you pop in the oven at a time? Do you do it two by two or do you do a whole bunch of them?
1: I do like four to six, but I fold fast. Gotcha.
0: Um, do you have any suggestions for people that are just learning how to make for, fortune cookies? I mean, did you start off with any type of a paper um, cutout just to practice on or what did you use or did you just kind of wing it?
1: Uh, no, I wing it. And, and you know what, you have to, when, when you're baking something new that you haven't done before, expect some failure and failure is great because that's how you how you learn with this. And, it's, it's going to be a fun thing, I mean, and it's not that hard to fold a fortune cookie. You fold it mostly in half, and then you bring the two points together. Yeah, the first time that I made fortune cookies, I, I
0: think I went through about five or six recipes um, until I found one that I could work with, and then I made it, I, I kind of amended it so that I could do it on the stove top, which for me, just it seemed to be the better option only because of the fact that the baking method, while it's probably a lot healthier than uh, frying anything in peanut oil, Mm -hmm. uh, the baking method just, I felt it just took so incredibly long. And whenever I tried to do four to six fortune cookies at a time, I always wound up screwing them up. Mm -hmm. And it was just hard to just get one dozen of fortune cookies. It was just such a challenge and then I just opted for the stovetop method where it just seemed to be a lot faster. Um, but uh, the other problem that I had was with my fortune. Um, what What do you use when you write your fortunes? I use
1: um, printing paper, uh, like, like you would put into your home computer, just well, regular paper.
0: What do you, what do you, what type of uh, ink do you use? to print the fortunes out, like when
1: you're writing out the fortunes, what do you use? I just use a ballpoint pen. I would not use a gel pen, and I would not use a Sharpie. Thank you. And
0: uh, my last question is, where do you get your fortunes from? I don't. I just make them. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So getting back to the the dinner, Okay, so you could start – well, actually, you would end the dinner with the fortune cookie. That might be a nice idea for Valentine's Day, especially uh, uh, if it's a marriage proposal or just something really sweet or, you know, use your imagination. Um, but uh, getting back to the entrees, what are some really nice entrees that are gluten-free that people can make
1: uh, specifically for an intimate dinner? Okay, one entree that is just really, really pretty, and there's a picture of it in this book – is the shrimp with fresh vegetables. It has pea pods and broccoli and just all kinds of whatever fresh vegetables you can find. It's it's bright. It's beautiful. You put some chopsticks in there. You might get a few little special dishes. You make some great jasmine rice would be perfect with it. That would be one of my absolute go-tos. What's another appetizer, say, if you have somebody that is not a big fan of fish? an appetizer for someone who's not a fan of fish. Let me take a look. Mm. Uh, well, it wouldn't be fancy, though. I would tend to do um, pro- probably something like wings. I would do the crab egg rolls. Those are really very, very nice, and they're they're light, and they're special. Mm. I guess uh, depending upon who
0: you're cooking for, um, you know, uh, I, I tend to like to do a little bit more exotic-type um, mm-hmm. recipes, especially if it's for a very special occasion. Um, I think that uh, instead of preparing, say, um, a gnocchi for the main entree, mm-hmm. to perhaps serve that as an appetizer, only just a small amount, because it, it can be very heavy, and yeah. depending upon the type of uh, sauce that you use, can also um, lend itself to the whole uh, the whole concept of what the meal is about. Now moving to the entree, what are some of your favorite entrees that you've created specifically for an intimate type setting?
1: So So many of my foods could just parlay from regular into that. I mean, a, a beautiful steak made well with some special potatoes can be wonderful. I tend to cater towards uh, whatever my guy wants, frankly. Um, crab cakes. I've got to tell you, crab cakes can be beautiful. If you uh, take the recipe, I wonder if I put the second recipe in here, but if you take the, the crab cakes and instead of doing the regular Cajun or old bay sort of flavor, which I totally love, but you can take them and instead do a lemon undertone with them. is just astoundingly good. Mm.
0: Um, and what if you wanted to make something for someone who's really kind of, uh, you know, watching their weight, they're looking for something that is healthy but, you know, not too salty because they're, you know, people are always concerned about adding too much salt into their diet. And they're always looking to incorporate more vegetables. Do you have anything along those lines that you would recommend?
1: Well, I always like to do steamed salmon. It's very easy um the The book does have a number of fish recipes which are pretty pretty hard to mess up and then of course, you can always do the Cornish hens and things like that because they're they're done in the oven and you know very very low fat. Thank you. Um,
0: with the rest, of, with, with the actual entrees, do you have any um,
1: vegetarian-friendly recipes that you might want to recommend? I have not gone very far into the vegetarian in this book. Okay. Um, I mean, I mean, you'll find some of my sauces and some of my, um, you know, I like your beef and broccoli
0: and recipe. And what I would do is. I would omit the beef and I would just add firm tofu in its place because I mean the sauce itself is really what makes the difference.
1: Absolutely correct.
0: How long did it take you to come up with that, that
1: particular sauce
0: or uh, recipe for the sauce?
1: It doesn't usually take long once I have my mind set on it and it's often inspired by whatever restaurant I've gone to.
0: Now, the actual book itself, you have hundreds of recipes in here. How long did it take you to write this whole book?
1: It took over a year to write the whole book, and the last nine months, with my deadline looming, was a marathon. I spent a marathon of time in my kitchen.
0: (laughs) Thank you. And, uh, Robin, uh, the last thing that I wanted to ask you is um, in regards to just some favorite foods that um, you like to bake over the the course of the winter months. Uh, do you, would you mention some of your favorite recipes from this particular book that when people taste it, the response is you know they can't
1: believe that it's gluten free. Okay, one of one it's it's funny. I just got an email about um, this recipe today, and that is the spicy roadside chicken. I mean, we all have. Barbecued chicken in the summer and, and it's great And it's You know it's, It it just feels like you're going to get fat Eating barbecued chicken With all the sauce and stuff But this is spicy and delicious And It is, it is one of the foods I'm looking forward to
0: mm-hmm.
1: And another thing I do a lot of Are soups in this book And so many cream soups When you um, are doing recipes, they're they're too heavy. There's, it, they're over the top. They're too rich. And for anyone who is looking for straight up, this is a really good soup. Um, I also have a Maryland crab soup. I have a cream-based um, seafood soup. A cream soup. and mushroom soup, which is... Uh looks
0: really oh. very interesting. Um you know, to make it vegan friendly, I would just uh substitute the regular butter with um you know one of the um soy-based butters or alternatives. And um I've always found that uh the organic soy milk is always great. Believe it or not, I like the vanilla flavored um organic soy milk when I'm making, whether it's uh, a cream of mushroom soup or a cream of tomato soup. I was kind of surprised. I used it by accident one day. I ran out of uh, regular soy milk and I couldn't get over how the flavor just really <laughs> it, it wasn't sweet. It was just a nice little touch you know, like a little ex- something extra.
1: What, one of the very nice things about that mushroom soup recipe is it's Filling and satisfying, and you almost feel like it's a hunter's stew of sorts it's that's one of my favorite soup recipes in the book
0: yeah and you you even have a recipe for cream and broccoli soup i mean those are I, I think the two most popular soups that uh, uh, my friends and uh, some of my family members just seem to always uh Order whenever they go out to a restaurant that has it homemade
1: mm-hmm. that recipe is in there because of my daughter. It is her favorite soup <laughs> and and again, when she would try to um, use some different recipes they were they were too heavy they were just too heavy, and it doesn't need to be you can You can go lighter and still have all that flavor base under there
0: and I think what's nice is that you can make it in larger quantities and then bring it with you to work. Um, or you can uh, freeze it and just take out what you need, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, the recipes that, that you have in here for all these soups, just wonderful, wonderful soup recipes. I mean, you know, once again, this time of the year, especially here in the Northeast, it is getting uh, <laughs> colder and the temperature is dropping as winter really sinks its teeth into the season. So the soup recipes are always tremendous. But um, uh, now, Robin, do you have anything in the works that you want to tell our audience about?
1: I do, and I can't give out too many details yet, but it's going to not be diet-specific for gluten-free. It's going to be mainstream, and it is going to be featuring whole grains. And Excellent. I, I and wait.
0: Robin, can you give our audience your website and tell our audience about some of your other books? I mean, you have so many books that are just fantastic.
1: Um, my website is robin r o b e n reberg r y b e r g dot com, and on there you will find a recipe from each of my my books, including um, the Gluten Free Kitchen, which was my very first work and has some amazing biscuits in it the ultimate gluten-free cookie book which got rave reviews this winter over the holiday season i'm delighted to say
0: yeah you had so many wonderful cookie recipes in there
1: and then i also have gluten-free in five minutes so if you're looking for you know frankly that that little special cake that just serves two people that would be a great a great book
0: Thank you so much. And, Robin, can
1: you just give our audience your website one more time? Sure. It's Robin, R-O-B-E-N, Reberg, R-Y-B-E-R-G, dot com. And um, how can people connect with you on Facebook? They can look for me, uh, again, Robin Reberg, and just do a search, and I will pop up there.
0: Thank you so much, Robin. It has been wonderful having you on the show again today to talk about this latest wonderful book, You Won't Believe It's Gluten-Free. It's just chock-filled with so many incredible recipes, and, uh, you know, congratulations, this is just such a lovely book, and I think, by all means, I'm a big fan of of yours, as you know, and for the folks out there that um, are looking for some inspiration as far as different um, events that are coming up or Uh, If you are looking to cater your own wedding, I mean, this is the book to have. Uh, So, Robin, thanks again for coming back on the show. It's been great having you.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I always love to talk food.
0: (laughs) Thank you. And thank you so much, folks, for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon.